Lisa, we've got a listener request. I love listener requests. They're always good. And it's from one of our favourite listeners. It's from the Salty Sea Dog. The Salty Sea... We have to meet the Salty Sea Dog. I am desperately waiting to have a beer with the Salty Sea Dog because he is like one of our favourite people. I mean, the ultimate fanboy for this podcast. He keeps feeding us intelligence. Yeah. It's genius. What if it's a right. girl? Is it a... How do you know it's a he? He sent me a photo. Oh, okay. Oh, no, 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 not, not, not creepy at all. Not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay, creepy. No, 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 it wasn't. He sent me, and look, he doesn't need to send me a photo because after this episode, I, you, and everyone that mm-hmm. listens will know how to get photos of Salty Sea Dogs should they want one. Okay. Now, um, he sent me this article from The Australian, and it's all about OSINT. OSINT. Open Source Intelligence. Okay. And funnily enough... Australia is really good at OSINT gear, right? We're really good at collecting it, really good at dealing with it. So I went into a deep dive. I'm really sorry. I spent a lot of time over the last few days reading some very, very dry articles and very dry research papers. Mm. Basically, I got into a lot of open source intelligence, and today we're going to talk about how it works. Okay, can't wait. You're listening to I Spied, the deep fake of Australian intelligence. Hello, American soldier boy. I am Jacinta, the beautiful girl from Latvia. All right, Tom Cruise, we know it's you. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson and I'm here with David Callan. And today we're talking about something that I don't know a lot about. I did try doing a little bit of research and reading, but it was it was a lot of heavy dialogue and not I didn't it wasn't character driven. It's very dry. <laughs> There's no characters. But actually there are some great characters in it. Because if you want to, to go back to open mm. source intelligence, essentially is intelligence produced from publicly available information. Right. Sounds pretty simple. And yes. It's been a thing since about World War Two. That's right. really when it came into its own because during World War Two, uh, there was this guy called Lord Haw Haw. Did you ever hear of him? Lord Haw Haw. Lord Haw Haw. No. Germany calling, Germany calling. He was a, a German propagandist. He was uh, spoke with a very, very British accent, and he would mm. get on air and go, well, your boys got absolutely hammered on the beaches of Sicily, and all this sort of stuff. He would talk about how the Germans were sinking American ships, and he was basically a propaganda channel. But what happened was British and American intelligence would listen to him because it gave them clues as to what was going on mm. with certain battles. If they didn't get intelligence, coming back from these battles, they could find out, look, we're missing a ship. And, you know, we sunk this ship. Well, thank you very much for telling us. We now know what's going on. And it would give them idea of submarine mm. deployments, ship deployments, troop deployments, all that sort of deployment stuff. The other thing that they used to look at, and this is I really like this, was the price of produce in Paris. Try saying that three times fast. Price of produce price in of Paris. Produce in Paris. The price of produce in Paris. So what they would do is they would look at the price of, say, oranges in Paris. Okay. Because... If the price suddenly shot up, it meant there was a limit in supply, which was an indication that sabotage of, say, train lines, like somebody blew up a train bridge in southern France so they couldn't get the oranges from Spain to Paris, the price would shoot up. So they'd know if they couldn't get the intelligence on the ground, they could get it from the Germans. So open source intelligence is a really important part of the puzzle. Now, mostly since World War II, open source intelligence was getting the local paper and sending it back home for it to be translated and read and information gleaned from it. Mm. Um, In fact, as somebody said, uh, essentially... 80% of all the information that was gathered during the Cold War about Russia was gathered from publications, from periodicals. 
Yeah, makes sense. So really simple stuff. But the thing is, after the Cold War, everyone went, yeah, well, we don't really need it anymore. Don't need open source intelligence. No one cares. It's not that really important. And then this crazy thing happened in the 90s. People started buying computers. Oh, yeah, the internet. The internet appeared, all right, and that's when it got really, really crazy. Around about 1990, intelligence services were going, these computers could be a problem or Mm. they could be a solution. We're not really sure. And then in 2005, two little companies launched that changed the game forever. Okay. Those companies are known as Facebook and YouTube. Well, Facebook particularly. And a year later, Twitter. So these guys appeared and everyone went, well, you know, this is really interesting. All of these people are just giving us all of this information, but, you know, what are we going to do with it? Until, have you ever heard of the Green Revolution in Iran? No. So in 2009, there was an election and Ahmadinejad, Ahmadinejad, he <laughs> won. Unfortunately, the number of votes he got was terribly skewed. Yeah. Really, really badly skewed. And about a million people showed up in the middle of Tehran going, and the the catchphrase of the protest was, where's my vote? Right. Because right. I didn't vote for you. Why are you still in power? Now, the thing was, the Americans first went, oh, this could be bad. But then everybody started posting stuff from the protest. And what they realized what it was, what was going on with social media was social media. It gave them real time intelligence in what's known as a, de- a denied environment. Right. Okay? So somewhere they couldn't go, Tehran, and they couldn't collect intelligence. Suddenly they're gathering tons of intelligence out of Iran because it's coming through on social media. Same thing happened with the Arab Spring. They could literally track people going into the square in Cairo. Oh, was it Tahrir Square? They were going they could literally track mm. them going in through their social media posts because everyone's running around taking photos and I'm yep. going to protest. Yep. So this became the big thing. Everyone suddenly realised, oh, my God, we really should focus on this. And, in fact, intelligence academics basically turned around in the United States and said the biggest bang for your intelligence gathering buck is open source intelligence. So everyone started focusing in on that. Now, let's talk about the different types of intelligence. You've got the OSINT type subtypes of News media, which is obvious, right? Turn on the TV, pick up a newspaper, boom, you got it. Then there's what's called grey literature. I love that. It just sounds really exciting and spunky, but actually it's research papers. The sort of stuff that I really like and you really don't. I You you lost me at research papers. (laughs) (laughs) Then you've got long-form social media. Now, it's like I like it's long-form in pro or short-form in pro. It's long-form social media. Or short form so social what's the media. So, what's a long form social media? Uh, things like um, blogs, Reddit, Tumblr, things where you can, you, you're not limited to what you can do. Yeah. Where short form is things like Facebook and Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Because most people don't want to sit there, even though you do have those people who go, no one's going to read this. So, I want you to prove that I read this. I'm going to put all this information about my entire freaking life mm. in several paragraphs. And what I want you to do is then, like, copy paste it and then share your own details of your entire freaking life on Facebook. So, these are what are called short form. Now, news periodicals and grey literature are really easy to deal with because the one thing we've now got with intelligence is. My God, there is a shitload of intelligence floating around. Everyone's sharing everything. So with news periodicals and research papers, it's easy. You just put a keyword in a search engine and let the computer do all the work. 
But the problem is, particularly with short form, is emojis, really crap grammar, mm. really crap spelling, and of course, vernacular and how people, the mood of that vernacular. So I might say, you know, Scott Morrison, top bloke, lols. Now that may be saying, I said lols, I'm really sorry. Now that may mean that I'm saying, I think he's a top bloke and he makes me laugh out loud. Or I might be saying, yeah, Scott Morrison, great bloke, ha ha. Right, so I'm using it sarcastically. So it becomes what's known as sentiment analysis, where the biggest problem with all of this stuff is actually trying to work out what people really, really mean. Now, is that because it goes through a like a filter that isn't a human? Well, that's the problem. You can't use a machine as the filter. With your longer mm. form stuff, you can. Right? Yeah, because they, they look keyword. for keywords, yeah. But when it comes to social media, and also it's very difficult to work out intent. So what they've got is they've mm. got what's called sentiment analysis and stance analysis. Right. Where it's like if we go back through all of your posts, we can have a look at what all this means and how it actually reflects on what you're trying to say. And then it comes down to things called relationship analysis and noding mm. um, and influence. So you you are an Instagram peddler. That is that is correct. Uh, I participate on Instagram. It's not it's not a big thing for me though. I'm not really on it much. Yeah, right. Well, you know, there are people that are Instagram influencers. Well, there are influencers. Yes, that's not through- me. <laughs> right, it's not me. I just put pictures of the Sydney Harbour Bridge up every second day. But there are all of these different people that have influence. Now, of course, no one really cares about the guy who was a trainer who then went on to Love Island and then went back to being a trainer but posts lots of photos of himself flexing on a beach. That's not an intelligence threat. But if you have, say, a politician who is quite controversial and is using short-form media, social media, to promote a certain attitude, then that's an inroad to work out who that person is influencing. So in the case – and this comes down to, like, the Melbourne protests that we've just had over the last week. When you look at that, say, Craig Kelly – Craig Kelly's posting a lot of stuff. He's literally part of a, a node. He's like the center of the density of mm. this node of information. Now, as that information parcels out, we're not only looking at the information that he's sending out, we're looking at the information that's being sent to him. So yeah. in an intelligence world, Craig Kelly is not the target. Craig Kelly is literally the focus of where we can spot the target we're looking for in that situation. So something like a right-wing group or an extremist right-wing group that is using Craig Kelly as a conduit to get their information out into a broader public sphere, that's the sort of thing you look at when you're looking at open source intelligence. But Mm. it's really difficult to play with. Yeah, because there's, there's, speaking of like, you know, nodes, there is this whole thing about how in the US, particularly with the anti-vax rhetoric and, you know, a lot of dissemination of uh, pro-Trump stuff, that there's like literally only four or five people who send this stuff out yeah. and then it filters out to the rest of the world. And, and so, it's interesting, yep, yeah. the interesting thing about how they actually filter it out to the world is the nodes that they pick to push it through. Yes. So with anti-vax, it's, there's a great article over I'll, if I can find it, I'll definitely post it on Twitter at Ice Podcast. Mm. And it's basically talking about how QAnon has literally hijacked the wellness movement because, you know, it starts, you go into the wellness movement, and I did it as an experiment last night. I just went, I'm going to go on and I'm going to go meditation for men. Yeah. Because, you know, I need, I need peace in my life. 
when I'm not in my blanket fort, I get very stressed. So I looked up wellness for men, go in there, have a look. And the next thing I get pushed into a van anti-vax thread. And from that, I get pushed into a right wing thread. And it was, yep. it was insidious at how quickly it happened. Yeah. So a lot of them, they have wide reach, like a lot of followers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And so it's easy for them to disseminate information and misinformation. And another thing is that they tend not to get banned or they'll get banned from one, but they won't get banned from the other. So they still have like the capacity to reach people. There is that. And the other thing is they just re-identify. The main ones are specifically really well-known, like Robert Kennedy Jr. is one of them. Like mm. there's, there's about 12 of them and they're really well-known and they have hardcore followers. It's kind of well, what they did with Pete Evans. You know how they ended up like silencing him? Yeah. You know, I, I didn't have any objections with that. It had nothing to do with free speech. I just found him a little creepy and weird. Yeah, he was um, a bit creepy and weird. That whole video with the horse, I never understood that. It was it was the $15,000 light that was going to cure COVID that really got me. But anyway, look, we could yeah. talk about Pete Evans for ages, but there's an actual podcast that does that really well. Oh, is um, Called the Conditional Release Program. <laughs> Listen to it. It's Great. genius. Right. But this becomes the big problem with open source intelligence, particularly mm. through short form social media, is how do we know who this person is? How authentic and how reliable is it as a source because there was an old joke at ASIO what sort of sauce does a spy put on his pie uh, tomato I don't know a secret and reliable source right <laughs> okay well the thing with that, I, I can't mean, believe this, that of course that is an ASIO joke it's so bad yeah, we're of all dads at is. ASIO oh my um, god it's like it's where dad jokes go to die isn't it that's right now, the thing is, a lot of intelligence, like back in the day, a lot of intelligence officers, before OSINT really became the thing, mm. they were rejecting it out of hand because it's not collected clandestinely, so therefore it's unreliable. That was right. their first port of call was it's unreliable because it's in the public sphere. We don't know what's being what, what we're being told. And that in, it, in and of itself is a really important point to remember in that, you don't know. You really can't tell the identity of the person. You really don't know who they are. You're, you're literally relying on their honesty. Now, there are certain tools that you can use to figure this sort of stuff out, who the person really is, mm. all that sort of stuff. And they're called COTS, commercial off-the-shelf tools. Okay. And the, the only problem with using them in the intelligence world is they're a commercial tool. So they're designed for businesses to seek out customers, not to analyze intelligence. Now, interestingly enough, there was one called Topsy, which was an indexed archive of every tweet ever made. So if you wanted to search it, you just get Topsy, you go online and you search and boom, you got it. You can find any tweet you want. Mm. And then suddenly it disappeared. It just stopped. It went offline. No one could get to it. No one knew why until everyone realized, oh, hang on. Apple just bought Topsy. Oh, right, yep. They let it run for two years and then shut it down. And then they turned around and went, if you want it, it's all monetized now. Right. So literally you pay tweet for tweet. So these are the sort of things you've got. These are the tools. I had, a, and here's an interesting thing, I had a, 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 bit, of a, a, a bit of a scare. I was walking across the uh, Harbour Bridge after my lunch with my ex-spy uh, friends and my phone rang. Yeah. And it was a, a, a listener who rang and went, hey, man, I just thought I'd give you a call and we what? could catch up. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my... I know, I know, I know. I bet I know how you got your phone number. How? Through Facebook. No. Oh, because you know, because someone else, someone else did this. Yeah. That a lot of people put their um add their phone numbers to Facebook as a security thing, and that people can put in your name and your phone number can pop up. Well, or they he can did put it in your... through. He did it through LinkedIn. 
How and he said, I've got a tool, because I work in sales, I've got a tool that allows me to go into LinkedIn and find phone numbers. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, oh. I sort of went, oh, uh, okay. Now, I was a little shocked. And if you're listening, I was a little shocked. Um, I said, no, well, that's yeah. cool. But then, uh, funnily enough, my son turned around and me went, that sounds very creepy. And I went, yeah. actually, it does. Well, so, what, did you, what did you talk about? What did he call you about? I want to know the details. Well, unfortunately, I was walking across a harbour bridge, um, yeah. so it was really noisy. And he called me a second time about a week later and said, you know, I want to catch up for a drink. So, to be perfectly honest, I'm going to go and have a drink with him. Okay. Um, and have a chat with him because he's a, an interesting guy and he's got some really interesting views. You, re- this whole podcast is just a bruise for you to get friends, isn't it? <laughs> I'm the low. I live in a blanket so fort. Sad. Even my wife goes, "Go to your fort, yes, mum." Um, oh, that was a Freudian slip. You still um, haven't left that fucking fort. I'm here. I'm out in the real world, and you were still in your fort. Every time I look at you, you're in that fort. Yep, that's right. Screw it. COVID was the best thing that happened to me. It turned into a reclusive oh. hermit. I live here and I count bottle caps. That's all I've got. <laughs> in my life and collect whiskey. So anyway, let's get back to the subject at hand. So look, as I said at the start of the episode, we're really good at OSINT because we've got this little organisation called the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, ASPE. It's a Commonwealth organisation, but funnily enough, the Australian government does not pay for most of it. No, because it's a non-partisan think tank. Well, not only is it a non-partisan think tank, a lot of its budget comes from foreign governments that pay for its services because they're really, really good at what they do. Yeah. I mean, remember we talked about the guy who basically mapped American bases using US soldiers' yep. Fitbit yep. Uh, information. Well, as soon as he did that, literally, Aspie turned around and went, you are with us now, boy, and he works for Australia, for that organisation, for Aspie. He's this really talented guy, and essentially, Australia is doing the right thing. Aspie are doing a really good thing where they basically, whenever they see talent, they just grab it. And they've gotten themselves inside the Chinese firewall, mm. right? The, what they call the Great Firewall, uh, which basically <laughs> limits so Chinese interaction with yep. the global net. They've gotten inside it, and they're picking up open source material to the point where the leaked document from the Chinese embassy with 14 complaints at Australia mm. basically turned around and um, they said, yeah, we don't like what Aspie are doing. That was one of the Chinese complaints is you've got to stop picking on China. Yeah. Right? Yeah, interestingly enough, on my um, other podcast called The Stuff Between, we Mm -hmm. literally have just spoken about incels and incels, do you you know what incels are? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I've met a few and they just creep me the hell out. Yeah, yeah, involuntary celibates. But Aspie, the reason why I bring this up is because Aspie have basically spoken about how um, they should be considered a terrorism group and have done some work on it. And so it's interesting because we're just talking about that, so it's a good kind of segue. Yeah, and the thing is, this is what Aspie does. Is it, yeah. as you said, it's a, a nonpartisan group, so they're not interested yeah. in political gain or anything like that. They're interested in getting intel out to people as quickly yes. and as conveniently as possible, and they're really, really good at it. It's like they, they're sort of setting the benchmark. So it's nice to see no, that a really little good. Australian industry is doing it. But I mean, the the flip of this is how open source intelligence is now being used to catfish. Like, there, there's a great article. My son actually mentioned it to me just mm. before I walked into the blanket fort. And he said, oh, you should talk about this. And we went and checked it. And basically, it's called NATO dupes own troops with fake Tinder account. And essentially, mm. there's this story that came out that during an exercise in Scandinavia, there was a website created with a glamorous Latvian girl who basically 
got to talking with a bunch of soldiers and then there was another website that was set up where soldiers can talk to each other about what life is like in the army. And then essentially these guys were talking about pretty much everything they wanted to do, not knowing you know, about what it was like to be in the army and what kind of weapons they were using and where mm. they were stationed and all that sort of stuff, not knowing it was a fake account. It was a fake I'm, website. But like, have we not learned anything? <laughs> don't trust no. anyone on the internet. I don't understand. No, but that's the point. We haven't learnt anything. Mm. And it was one of the things that came out with the problem with, they're calling it second gen, all the online intelligence that they're collecting now, they're calling second generation OSINT because it's not the old style stuff, which is getting a newspaper and getting someone to translate it and then handing it on, right? It's basically going onto social media. And one of the problems they have with intelligence officers trying to analyze social media sites is they're actually instructed to keep a low profile on social media so they don't understand the nuance. Yep. So things like vernacular and emojis and all that sort of stuff and GIFs, it throws them because it's like this. none of this makes any sense to me. It's not the way I would construct intelligence. Therefore, I don't understand how to find the intelligence within it. It's the boomer way of looking at things. Yeah, essentially every spy is a boomer until yep. until about now. They're all getting unboomered. Like yep. me, I'm getting unboomered. <laughs> and, and and before anyone says it's it's when I say boomer, boomer is not an age, it's a state of mind. It is. I, I look I totally agree. <laughs> agree with it being a state of mind because I'm, the older you get, the boomer you get too. You do, and you get more conservative, I will say. That is, a, that is one thing Unless I've you're learned. me, and then you Unless just become... <laughs> They just become like this whole. Le- I can't even with you. Anyway, you just become going. a crazed man living, in a, planning a revolution from a blanket <laughs> fort. This By is the exactly way, when I say revolution, at. the O is a smiley face emoji. That'll confuse them. Though. I have no idea what's going on now. Yeah, now yeah. here's the other thing: things like this podcast is very difficult for them to actually get intelligence from. One because I speak because we talk gibberish. We talk too quickly for them. It's like yeah. you know, and boomers find it very hard to listen to young folk like us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, what did he say? Embarrassing what? What? silence. Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't understand the word he say. What are those words that you think? Now, one of the other interesting things, and this comes to something I want to talk about in another episode, but they're talking about in the art, the Australian article about Aspie, and I will post that article, and you'll need an Australia uh, subscription to the Australian to read it. But one of the interesting. Oh my God! Thi- you, you see, now this this is hilarious because the fact that you're even saying you need a subscription to the Australian to read it, it, it the, I mean, is it worth it for you to sell your soul like this? <laughs> not really, no. Because <laughs> I know I read the Australian. I have a subscription, but it's very funny just to see you. Go. Well, I I have a subscription now simply because it's like again, it's a source. Now the fact yeah. that it's hidden behind a firewall doesn't really. It's I, I believe it's a dollar a week for the first four weeks, and then you cancel your subscription and never. Go oh, back. here we go. Yep. But, there's that whole thing. It's like it's a source of intelligence. Yep, it's a source yep, of yep. information. Therefore, I want to read it. Yeah. Do I agree with the sentiment expressed in it? No, that's not the why. I don't read it for the sentiment. I read it for the information. But yes, I mean, that's how all news should be consumed anyway. But exactly. yes, go ahead. You don't read it for loyalty. You read it because no. it's got the story you want to yes, read. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, one of the things that they talk about in this is how they've got translators, Chinese translators, and how difficult it is for intelligence to get Chinese translators. Yeah. And there's a great article that I read in The Atlantic. Catherine Murphy uh, posted it uh, today and basically talking about how autocratic governments are winning. The interesting thing about it is China, basically, if, say, ASIO approached a member of the Chinese community in Australia to say, we need an interpreter, will you do it? A lot of them are really reticent to do it because they're expecting the Chinese government to go, if you do that, grandma and grandpa back home are going to wind up in a work camp. 
Wow. So yeah. they're really, really hesitant about it. And China is being exceptionally proactive in discouraging the diaspora to get involved in intelligence gathering for the yeah. other side, which is you know understandable. But it's this thing. You know, we all thought the internet will set us free. We'll have all this information. We'll know everything we need to know and everything will be perfect. What we forgot is people can plug so much rubbish in. Yeah. Right. Which goes back to this great article about NATO duping its own troops to the point where they had soldiers buying, like ordering clothing online, giving their bank details and their home addresses in the US to a fake website. The thing I love most about this article is it's the only record of this event ever happening and it was published in the Russia Today. So yeah. again, it's a little bit of a Lord Hawhaw moment where this could have happened. This is absolutely perceivable that this kind of catfishing goes on. Like, and a government would do it to go, guys, we're telling you not to share this shit online. Yeah. But the great thing is, in it only being Russia Today posting it, it immediately makes you go, hang on a minute, is this real or is this a, a double catfish? Yeah, I think one of the things I find really frustrating, particularly with the social media element, is there is ways around this. We could end catfishing, we could end the trolling, we could end all this just by making people provide proof of who they are. Exactly. Now, I, I know that there are reasons why pe that Twitter likes to go into, you know, there, there, there are places like China where, you know, the Chinese people who want to have access to the social media don't want to have to be known, and I get that. Yep. But, you know, I do think at some point we're going to have to validate every single person's account to everything. And as soon as we do that, we're going to have a protest of people going, but my freedom to not tell you who I am is you're, yeah. you're denying my freedom. So this what is have you got the, to hide, I would say? What do you have to hide? Exactly. Well, but that is always my point. But here's the thing. You don't have to use – your social media handle doesn't have to be who you are. It just has to be that you can only have one of one account and that if anything goes down, Twitter knows exactly who you are because you've had to show identification. Yeah. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You don't have to like – you don't have to get on social media and say who you are. No, though I do, to the point where people call me when I'm walking over the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> Through LinkedIn. Through which LinkedIn. Are, when was, you know which, when was, was the last the time an out-of-work actor used LinkedIn, by the way? <laughs> Look, I'll be honest with you. I was it, At the time, I just like, I, I, admittedly, I'd had quite a few glasses of wine. You're like, yeah, uh, let's go. Let's go for a drink. And I was like, that sounds, yeah, sounds great. And then it was when my son turned around and went, that sounds a bit weird. Yeah, it is and weird. then I sort of thought about it and went, yeah, it is. Yeah. But at the same time, I put myself I, out there. I, I, and I, I bet you admire his tenacity. He collects East German intelligence gathering equipment. Oh, see, now I here's the thing. He had, you, he had you at collecting of East German he had intelligence. Me at, yeah. He had me at small reel-to-reel -reel tape machines. Um, you fucking so, weirdo. Uh, yep. By the way, please don't be offended if I brought you up in this podcast because no, uh, great. I respect and admire you. Just next time. Send me a message via Twitter. Don't call me <laughs> Text when I'm me. half drunk on a bridge. No, it's great. I think it's I think it's brilliant that you found your your phone number. I think it's going to be so great that you're going to go out and have a beer with him. And I hope that you don't get murdered. Oh, well, that's why I'm going to do it in a very public place. <laughs> yeah. And you're coming with me. No. Yeah, not you happening. are. Nope. Nope. 